You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. We're going to begin a brand new series called Run the Race. Every Wednesday night, we're going to be preaching through the book of Hebrews. We're going to be studying the book of Hebrews together to, to enjoy this and to get the most out of it and really to make sure your life group time is the best it can be. What I want to encourage you to do is I want you to take out your notes right now and take out that pen that you had. If you need a pen, they're underneath your chairs. And I want you to take notes. We have fill in the blanks that you'll easily be able to fill in. But as you feel like God's saying something to you, I want you to write it in your notes because your life group leaders might say, hey, what'd you write in your notes? Hey, what was the thing that God stood out to you? And I want you to be able to take this home, show it to your family, reflect on it, and think about it more. As well, all summer long, we are going to be reading the book of Hebrews together. So every week on your chair, you'll see it. You guys have a bookmark. Can everyone show me the bookmark? Show me bookmark. Flap it in the air like that. There we go. Um, you're going to have a bookmark every single week, and this is going to give you a daily reading. They're short passages, but over the summer, we are going to read through the book of Hebrews like three times. So we're going to really get immersed in it. And so if some of you are like, man, I don't know what to read, well, every single week, we're going to give you seven days worth of reading. So make sure you take these home with you, challenge your life group, do this together, and it's going to be awesome. All right, well, hey, as we jump in, the title of my message for tonight, week one, is this. Jesus is the biggest deal. Jesus is the biggest deal. To begin, though, I want to ask you a question. Where is your faith? Now, I'm not asking you, do you have faith? Because every single one of you has faith. You have faith in something. You're putting your trust, your worth, your value, your hope in something. So it's really not a matter of do you have faith. The question is where is your faith? Now, to help illustrate this, I'm going to need some uh, volunteers. I'm going to need some volunteers. Let's see. Um, who's really buff and strong? Uh, Logan. Come up here real quick, Logan. I'm sorry, Logan. You're buff, dude. Get up here. Get up here. And now, who is, I, I want to I use a freshman girl. Is there a freshman girl that's willing to trust me? Really to trust Logan with your life? Marley, perfect. Come on up. Yeah, I know, I know. Come on up. Come on up here. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Sorry, I picked you. Come here. You're a pastor's kid. This is what happens. You're a pastor's kid. Okay. This is awesome. I love it. You guys, this is Pastor Corey's daughter. Say, can everyone say hi, Marley? Hi. So good. So good. Okay. Um, and this is Logan. Can everyone say hi, Logan? Guys, hold on. Everyone say, hi, Marley. Hi, Marley. And everyone say, hi, Logan. Logan. There we go. Okay, so maybe some of you have wondered, what is faith? What is faith? Let me illustrate what faith is. Here's what we're going to do. Logan, I want you to hold on to this. You're going to face towards Marley. I want you to hold on to this literally for dear life. It's not really your life. It's Marley's life. Okay, you're holding on this for Marley's life. Okay, Marley, here's what I need you to do. I need you to hold on to this rope. Okay, there we go. Here, let's give her a little more slack. Even out. There we go. Okay, so now you're going to hold on, okay? You can scoot a little bit forward. You can scoot a little bit forward. Okay, now, we're going to try not to break the chillest cellist cellist cello. The chillest cellist cello. By the way, did y'all, y'all see Daniel, the chillest cello over there? Chill, chillest cellist? We don't want to break the chillest cellist cello. So, all right. 
Some of you are wondering, what is faith? What is faith? This is what faith is. Here's what I want you to do, Marley. You are going to lean back. Okay, you're going to lean back. Hold on, you have to keep your eyes open. And here's the thing, you got to keep your eyes on Logan. I know, I know it may be kind of awkward. He's a boy. I get that. Just stare into his eyes. It's okay. Stare into his eyes. Here's what I want you to do, Logan. You cannot let her go. Do you understand? Like you have, literally, it ruins everything, including, okay, anyway. So now what I want you to do is I want you to lean back. Lean back. Lean all the way back. As much as you can. Lean back. You can. You're good. Okay, stop right there. That's what I don't want you to hurt yourself. But go ahead and lean back a little more. Hold her tight. Okay. Take a mental picture, students. Take a mental picture. This is faith. You see, what Marley is doing is she is putting her faith and trust in something that will hold her up. Okay? Now, you can stand up. You can stand up, Marley. Now, did you feel pretty confident putting your faith in Logan? Do you feel like he could do that? You weren't optimistic that he could do that. Wow. Let's try that again. Be honest. Were you optimistic he could hold you up? Yes, you were. Okay, all right, now, now. Now, Logan, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let go of the rope. You can scoot back a little bit. No, you go ahead and hang on the rope. Hang on the rope. Okay. Now, we're going to put the rope around this chair. And now, I want you to lean back. You don't have to, but I want you to lean back. You don't want to. Why don't you want to? Because it's not going to hold you, right? It'd be like the most embarrassing first HSM ever, right? Like if you, like I already made you come up on stage. If you fell in front of everyone, that'd be the worst, right? Here's the thing, students. Here's the thing. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that so many of us, me included, so many of us are putting our faith in small chairs. You see, faith is the thing you trust in. Faith is the thing that gives you worth and value. I'm convinced so many of us are putting our faith in our Instagram accounts. We're putting our faith in what people think about us. We're putting our faith in a boyfriend or girlfriend. We're putting our faith in our grades. We're putting our faith in our future, in the salary we want to make, in the future job that we want to have. We're putting our faith in what people think about us, what other people say about us. And we wonder why we spend so much time falling on our butts. We wonder why we spend so much time discouraged, so much time wondering, man, why do I feel so empty inside? It's because if you're not careful, you will put your faith in something shiny, in a new relationship, in a a wealth status that you have. You'll put your faith in something that's really just a small chair. When God desired from the beginning that you would not put your faith in a small chair, but that you would put your faith in him because he can hold you up. Guys, give it up for Marley and Logan. Give it up for them. Good job, guys. Good job. You're amazing. Thank you, friend. You can have a seat. So so the question that I want you to think about, the question I want you to be thinking about is where is your faith right now? Where is your faith? And I want to try to make a compelling case as best as I can and ask you to consider putting your entire faith in Jesus. Has anyone ever played the game Bigger and Better? Anyone ever heard that game, Bigger and Better? You start with something really small. I remember we used to play this at youth group. You start with something really small, and then you go from house to house to house, and you knock on somebody's door, and you say, hey, I have this pencil. 
And I need something bigger or better than this pencil. Do you have anything that you would trade for me, that you would trade with me for this pencil? I remember one time we played this game and I started with a pencil. And by the end of the night, I had a broken ATV, like a giant, literally somebody had given us their ATV, which we just like had to push it up the hill. It was like the worst thing ever. But I started with a pencil and ended with that. You see, I think some of us, me included, are tempted to live our lives constantly looking for that next bigger and better thing, that better relationship, that better following that, that better school, that, that better, we're, we're, just, we're constantly on this journey of trying to find the next bigger or better thing. And maybe even for some of us that would call ourselves Christians, we'd go, yeah, right now I'm a follower of Jesus. But man, if that boyfriend comes along and all the girls think he's cool and he chooses me, I'll do anything he wants. Or man, yeah, Jesus is really important to me right now. But as soon as those sports commitments or as soon as I take those SATs or whatever they may be, you know what, that's going to be more of a priority for me. Or I'll be a Christian here at HSM, but as soon as I'm around my friends and they begin to talk a certain way, they begin to engage in certain things, I'm just going to go and do those kinds of things. You see, that's when you know that you're living with, in a relationship with Jesus where you're like, man, he's cool, but I'm still looking for that bigger or better thing. Students, hear me. There is nothing bigger or better than Jesus because Jesus is the biggest and the best. There is nothing bigger or better than Jesus. And whether you don't know anything about him or you've kind of been chilling out at church for a while, there is nothing bigger or better than Jesus because he is the absolute biggest and best. And that's what the book of Hebrews is all about. Well, before we jump into the book of Hebrews, I want to share some stats with you about the book of Hebrews. So the book of Hebrews was written in the year 63 or 64 AD. We're not sure which year it was, but it was one of those two years. We're certain that the book of Hebrews was written before there was mass persecution of Christians. So in the year 64 AD, a little history lesson, there was an emperor by the name of Nero. Nero hated Christians. Nero burned down half of Rome, and he blamed it on the Christians. The very first Christian, the very first mass Christian persecution happened under Emperor Nero, who in 64 AD, he burned down half of Rome by a mistake he made. He blamed it on the Christians, and they were round up, they were tortured, and they were murdered. We know that this letter was written before then, because in the letter, the author of Hebrews writes that, there's a forthcoming persecution. There was something in the water. They could tell something was going on, and yet mass persecution had not happened quite yet. Interestingly enough, we don't know exactly who the author is. There was this church father born, I think, in the year 184 AD. His name was Origen. And Origen said, only God knows who wrote Hebrews. And every scholar for the last 2,000 years has agreed to that, that we, we just don't know exactly who wrote it. But we do know who the recipients were. The recipients were a group of Roman Jewish Christians. A group of Roman Jewish Christians. One scholar said this about the book of Hebrews. Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish Christians whose world was falling apart. Anyone feel like the world's kind of falling apart? Have you ever felt like your world's falling apart? 
You see, this letter was written to a group of Christians who felt like they were going to lose everything. There were threats of persecution. A lot of the early Christians had stopped evangelizing, had stopped sharing their faith because they were afraid of the repercussions. They were afraid of what was going to happen to them. Many of them thought about not meeting anymore, not gathering, because they were afraid of persecution. And many scholars believe that in a room, in a, in a small house of about 20 Christians, the letter of Hebrews was first received and read. And so I want you to put yourself in their shoes. I want you to imagine for a minute that your entire world is falling apart that you're questioning this whole Jesus thing. See how maybe some of us might be feeling very similar to how our brothers and sisters felt 2,000 years ago? They were afraid to evangelize. They were thinking about not meeting. Some of them had stopped gathering. And in a room, scared and afraid and uncertain about the future. The book of Hebrews begins... Like this. In the past, God spoke. God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Wow, this is huge stuff. The writer doesn't say, I know things are scary and I'm not sure what's going to happen. The writer of Hebrews starts in a beautiful, compelling way. He starts with our first big idea tonight. Your first fill-in is this. God speaks. Two words that will change your life. God speaks. You know what this means? This means you can have a relationship with God. That because God speaks, it means you can hear him. It means you can know him. It means you can have a conversation with him. The author of Hebrews says God has always been a speaking God. That in the Old Testament, before Jesus, God spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the law. He spoke to his people. And yet now, in these last days, God is doing something new. God showed up. God in a bod showed up on planet Earth, Jesus Christ, to make it crystal clear how great his love is for every single one of us. The author of Hebrews uses this phrase, last days. I don't know if any of you have ever heard like a preacher kind of talk about whenever there's like a war or during the pandemic or uh, something really crazy happens in another country. Sometimes you'll hear pastors or preachers say, we're in the last days, right? We're in the last days. We're in the last days. And it kind of can conjure up this, Who? what's going on? According to scripture, we have been in the last days for a very long time. So whenever somebody says, we're in the last days right now, I'm like, do you read your Bible? We're, we've been in the last days since the moment Jesus ascended into heaven. We've been in the last days for that long. What this means is this is the last part, the last season, the, la the last chapter before Jesus returns again. So are we in the last days? Yes. But COVID didn't bring the last days. Recent wars, World War I didn't bring the last days. We've been in the last days since the moment Jesus left 
planet Earth. But that phrase last days also means that God's plan for salvation, his final perfect plan for salvation to save you and I, to change our hearts, to change the world around us is Jesus Christ. There's no plan B. That is God's plan A from the beginning. So students, maybe you're new to this faith thing. You're trying to explore Jesus. You're trying to figure out what he's about. He speaks. God speaks. How does God speak to us? Primarily through the Bible. Sometimes I talk with you students and you're like, I'm just not hearing God. I just don't hear God. I'm like, he wrote you a freaking book, bruh. Like he wrote you this fat giant book. These pages are so thin. If it was normal pages, it'd be like a, you know, like a uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, quadrilogy, whatever the word is. God wrote you a book to tell you how much he loves you. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through worship. He speaks when you're out in creation. God is a speaking God. And so if you are going, man, I want to hear from God. Start with his word. Spend time with your community. Be here on Wednesday nights. Show up on Sundays. Number two, our second big idea is this. Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. The story continues. The sun, Hebrews says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. In other words, Hebrews says, Jesus looks like God. He's the radiance. He looks like God because he is God, because he is the exact representation of God. And so if you are wondering, what is God like? What does God look like? How does God feel? I want to know God. Go to Jesus. That Jesus is 100% God. But here's what's crazy. Not only is he 100% God, but he is also 100% fully human. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Hebrews 2, 17 says this. For this reason, Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So here's what's so cool about Jesus. Y'all ready to hear something cool about Jesus? Say, I'm ready. It didn't sound like anybody's ready. Say, I'm ready. Jesus is more powerful than any circumstance you're going through. Jesus is greater than any fear you're experiencing. Jesus has authority over all things. Jesus is the God of the universe, but he also is fully human, means, which means he understands what it's like to feel awkward. I mean, he, he understands what it's like to be tempted. He never gave in to temptation, but he was absolutely tempted. It means he's experienced loneliness. It means that everything, as the book of Hebrews says, everything that we will ever experience, he understands and gets it. See, this is what's so beautiful about Jesus is that he's not just this perfect God that is far out there that we can never come close to. He is totally holy, totally separate. And at the same time, he is totally human and approachable. And so you 
can approach Jesus like you would a friend, always remembering that he is the God of the universe. It's a wild thing to be in a relationship with Jesus because it's like a friendship and then it's like this, this awe and reverence and, and, and realization that we are so small, he is so big, that we are finite, that he is infinite. And yet every time, it's almost like we, uh, it's, it's almost like, a, uh, like an accordion, like what's like the accordion, you know what I mean, right? Like the accordion, like you kind of go out here and you go, God is so big and huge and amazing and I can't approach him and he's so other, he's infinite, he's holy, he's mighty, powerful, he's all these things. And yet he is human and he's close and he's intimate and he's relational and he loves me. And, and you kind of experience this accordion with God. You see, that's the kind of God you want to serve. One that gets what it's like to suffer and one that can do something about your suffering. You want to be in relationship with a God who has the power to forgive every one of your sins and at the same time understands what it's like to be tempted. That's a beautiful God. The rest of Hebrews chapter one is basically quoting lots of different Old Testament passages that illustrate that Jesus was not just an, like an angel or like another human, but that he was fully God. And then in Hebrews chapter two, after after painting this big picture, not just a big picture, but the biggest picture, saying Jesus is not just a big deal or he's not bigger than another pagan God. No, he is the biggest deal of all. Then the writer of Hebrews will say this to us, and this is our third big idea, drifting will cost you. Drifting will cost you. Hebrews 2, 1 to 4, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Hebrews says, the angels didn't just talk about Jesus. The whole Bible talks about Jesus. Jesus shows up and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Hebrews says, Jesus is it. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's not something else plus Jesus. You are either all in or you're not in at all. And Hebrews says, be careful. Be careful that you don't drift away. I want to ask you a question not to answer out loud, but to just think about. And the question is this. During the pandemic, the last 15 months, have you drifted from God? During the last 15 months, during this pandemic, have you drifted away from God or have you moved closer to God? I bet for most of us in this room, we've drifted. We've drifted from God. 
And Hebrews wants to get in our face and say, no matter what your reason is, Jesus understands, but he is the biggest deal. He is God Almighty. He is the purpose of life. So do not drift away. Do not miss this story. Do not miss the very purpose of your life. It reminds me, growing up in Ventura, one of my favorite things to do was surf. Do we have any people here who like to surf? Raise your hand if you like to surf. I used to love surfing. I learned one thing about being out in the ocean is you can either drift away or you can paddle towards the waves. That you can either drift away or you can paddle towards the waves. My boy Seth, you like to surf, yeah? That's right, big. This one's for you, all right? You listening? All right, here we go, baby. Hang on tight. In surfing, when you're out in the waves, when you're out in the ocean, you can either drift away or you can paddle and catch those waves. Here's what I've learned about drifting. Drifting is subtle. You will, you will slowly drift away from the waves, away from the purpose of being out there in the water. It happens subtly. It oftentimes happens unintentionally. I've been out there surfing with friends, and we're just talking, having a good time, and all of a sudden I realize, man, we are so far away from the waves, so far away from where we were supposed to be. It's easy to drift, Right? If you're just sitting out there on your board, you are going to naturally drift out into the ocean. It's just going to naturally happen. Drifting, in other words, drifting away from God just naturally happens. You don't have to work at it. And then lastly, it's incredibly dangerous. That if you get too far away from the shore, you won't be able to get back. If you get too far away from the waves and the purpose of surfing, you won't make it back. There's drifting and then there's paddling. Here's what I know about paddling. Paddling is purposeful. You're sitting out there on a wave and you're, you're spotting where the waves are coming and where they're going to break and you're paddling out and you're trying to get in front of somebody. You have to be purposeful. The other thing I know about paddling is that paddling is hard work. That when you're out there in a wetsuit, I know it looks easy, but when you're surfing, especially if you're new to it, and you're paddling, man, you have to paddle so much to try to catch one of those waves. Every time after like a really long surf session, I'd wake up the next day and just be like this, just like literally walking around so sore. Paddling is purposeful. It's hard, but it always pays off. Kel and Seth, y'all know what I'm talking about, man. When you catch that wave, and you guys, a few times, I would like walk up on the board. I'm not going to say I ever hung 10. I like put my pinky toe over it, okay? So I got close. Never hung 10, but I got my pinky toe. Man, there is nothing like being out there on the wave surfing. That's what you are meant for. Drifting will never catch you a wave. Drifting won't catch you a wave. Paddling will. You see, students, you will naturally drift away from God if you are not intentional. There's too much sin around us. There's too much brokenness in our hearts. We will naturally drift away from God. So spiritually, are you drifting or are you paddling? You know what paddling looks like? Paddling looks like waking up 30 minutes before you have to to spend time in God's word. That's paddling. Paddling is prioritizing Wednesday nights. Paddling is serving on Sundays. Paddling is talking to your water polo team or your soccer team or your theater club or your family about Jesus, even though it's hard and challenging. 
paddling is saying, you know what? The music that I'm listening to is leading me astray, so I'm gonna take a break and just listen to worship. Paddling is being intentional in your relationship with Jesus. The writer of Hebrews talks about the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And I want to ask you a question. Is there evidence in your life that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? And maybe you're like, how would I know if the Holy Spirit lives inside of me? I'm so glad you asked that question. And so is the Apostle Paul, because he literally answered that. Check out what he said in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the fruits. These are the evidences that the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of you. And then our last big idea is this. Jesus tasted death. This is my personal favorite. Jesus tasted death so we could buffet life. Anybody like a good buffet? Let me just see where are my people at. Shut up. Get your hands up. Who likes a buffet? Melissa, don't leave me hanging there. God, I know you like a good buffet. Come on. Jesus tasted death so we could buffet life. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 says this. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower, where are we? Who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. This is huge. This is the reason Jesus is the biggest deal. Jesus tasted death so you wouldn't have to. Jesus tasted and experienced complete absence from God. He took all of our sin, my sin and your sin, on his shoulder. He tasted death and then rose from the dead, becoming victorious over death so that you, oh, I'm sorry, Daniel, almost ruined that. Oh, that would be like the worst thing. Okay, um. He tasted death so that we wouldn't have to, so that we could buffet life, so that we could be free, so that we could live free lives. And freedom is not, oh, okay, we'll go there for a second. Freedom is not what you think about as an American. When we think of freedom, sometimes we think about, oh, that just means I can do whatever I want. That is not what freedom is. When scripture talks about freedom, it says you have been set free to glorify God. True freedom is living your life glorifying Jesus, being completely free. You guys, I love a good buffet, whether it's all-you-can-eat sushi, whether it's like hometown buffet. Like I'm all about buffet. And you know why I'm all about a buffet? Because in a lot of those places, you pay up front and then you just get to enjoy. You don't got to think about it. You just get to enjoy. You see, students, you get to buffet spiritually. You get to buffet because Jesus paid the bill. Because Jesus paid the bill, you get to experience life, freedom, forgiveness, grace, purpose, meaning, significance. Because he paid the bill. In a minute, I want to pray. And I know we got like no time for life groups. Here's what I'm going to say, though. We had a lot of stuff on the front end. Usually on Wednesday nights, we're going to get in here. We're going to do worship. There will be teaching. And we're, our hope is to give you 30 to 45 minutes in your life group time. 
But as we're kicking off night one, I want to challenge every single one of you to be back here next Wednesday. Commit this summer to be in at HSM every Wednesday and bring a friend with you. We still got a little bit of seats. We got a few. I want this place to be exploding with students this summer. Why? Because your friends need to know that Jesus is the biggest deal. And they need a community because I guarantee they have been drifting from God. And he wants all of us to come back. So here's what we're going to We're going to pray. And then you're going to head into your life groups. Take as long as you can in those groups. Um, and then next week you will get much more time, I promise you, in your life group. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every single one of these students. Thank you, God, for what you're doing here in this place in HSM. I am so grateful to be back. And Jesus, I know that this summer you have some incredibly special things in store for us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...